You know, if you had a child who was a total um, bookworm, you would say, oh, isn't it amazing? They've got their head in a book all the time. You know, or if they were like really love chess and you're like, I'm raising the next Bobby Fisher. This is great. All they want to do is play chess all the time or they're in the bedroom and they're all they want to do is like practice guitar and they're you know going to be the next rock and roll, you know, hero or whatever. But then when you see somebody online and they're gaming, we think, oh, what a waste of time. Well, it's not necessarily true. They could be an aficionado. They could they could go on to be a coder. They could be learning all kinds of strategies and things that translate into the real world. But just the same as I've seen kids escape into books so that they they don't make in real life friendships or they don't spend time with the family. I think it's just as legit to say to somebody, put the book down, we're having family dinner or put the book down, we're going to go for a family walk as it is to say, hey, you know what? En- enough time on the game with your friends. Come hang with your real friends that are like on the block kicking a soccer ball around. This is the Growing Up With Tech Show. I'm your host, Lowell Brown. And in each episode, we discuss topics related to the impact of technology on our kids as they grow up. When it comes to technology, there are so many ways it's a part of our everyday lives. From cybersecurity and social media to tech products and educational tools, our kids have lots of exposure to tech. The challenge for us parents is in how we guide them as they experience, learn, and become creative with tech. We cover all that and more on the Growing Up With Tech Show. Welcome again to another episode of the Growing Up With Tech Show. I am very excited today to be joined by Allison Schaefer. For those of you who don't know, Allison Schaefer, well, who is she? She's a well-known parenting expert. She's an educator. She's a TV personality. She's a columnist. She's, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to turn things over to Allison so that she can give that intro because I'm for sure going to screw something up here. So Allison, thank you for joining me and tell us a little about yourself. Oh, thank you for inviting me on. Well, um, I guess first and foremost, people should know that I'm a mom and I was uh, married to a tech enthusiast and we're a very tech positive household. So I've uh, had to navigate this journey that we're going to have later today. I'm a family counselor. So I deal with uh, one-on-one with families and uh, tech and managing tech and problems that come up around tech show up in my office all the time. So I see it from that perspective. Um, but I'm trained in Adlerian psychology and I do a lot of workshops and I manage a lot of my social media accounts around trying to provide parents with help and solutions for how to navigate modern parenthood in a way that is uh, without punishment nor rewards. So respectful Adlerian parenting, which sounds easy, but when the rubber hits the road, not always the case. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so cool. So what I wanted to start talking about is attention span. Um, as, as we've seen, there's been kind of a trend over, I'd say the last five to 10 years where a lot of content seems to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, even, you know, whether it's, you know, YouTube shorts, things like TikTok, Instagram reels, but even in games in, um, you know, you see a lot of these mobile games where the point isn't, you know, sitting down as if it's a, a long story, like a PlayStation game would have a long story you could play for hours. These are more, okay, I've got free time. I've got five minutes. Let's hit a game. Game. So the, the dopamine hits for those games seem to be a lot higher and the short um, attention span of those games seems to be one thing. And, and do you see how, is that a concern? Is that something where parents should kind of start to consider, you know, how does this affect them long-term as they grow up with all of this stuff, focusing on shorter bits of, you know, 
consumable content? So I think we have to uh, be willing to look at the science. My my first degree actually is in science. So I like to go to the science. Uh, And you have to be critical when you read scientific research as well, because um, a lot of times, you know, the sample size wasn't large enough or it's not, uh, you know, it's uh, it's more correlative rather than causative and so it's a complicated topic and but it's being studied believe you me all the impacts of all these different things are being are are being measured and studied and you're going to hear both sides of the story if you give me research that says it's impacting attention span i can go online and find one that says it's not so i think as parents we we, um, have to be cautious about the information that we take in but maybe more philosophically i could just stand back and say look at everything about the pace of life is going faster it used to take you three months on a boat to get to London. Now you get on an airplane and you're over there and you got Wi-Fi while you're on the plane. And how many of us have had the same situation where we're waiting in line at the grocery store and instead of talking to the person around us, we think, well, this is wasted time. Let me just check my email or let me just, you know, do a little round of Candy Crush. Nobody's off the hook for what we're doing with our with the speed of life and time and attention. And of course, our kids that are growing up with earlier and earlier on tech and as you say the 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 speed to which things uh, pop up in front of their eyeballs is going faster and faster and yes i think it is creating a expectation for the speed of life that we do need to counterbalance and i think that's why when we say hey 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 let's just have some tech free time um this is why i think that people adults and and uh children alike need to learn mindfulness meditation because mindfulness meditation, which gets wildly misunderstood, is really about training attention and focus. And there's not a parent out there that can't, you know, identify with, I get distracted at work, I got stuck in my email inbox, I didn't get my to-do list done, Um, I procrastinated because there was visual distraction, so I did all the other things. All of us have trouble with our attention. So we need to we need to honor that that is a tool that we're in an attention economy. Everyone's fighting for our attention. They are using better and better science to get, grab it. They know the right sounds. They know the right colors, <laughs> and um, and so we better train our brains to be able to uh, take ownership of where we put our time and attention with intentionality. So adults and children need to do that in order to fight artificial intelligence and what it's going to want us to do. That's great. And do you think that, um, you know, when, how should we balance the meditation or the taking breaks side of things with this? And is there at any point, do you think there's something parents should look out for in terms of, you know what, I'm really noticing something about my kids and maybe all of this time spent on TikTok consuming short form content is having an effect and I need to, to take action on something. So is there, are there things that we should keep mindful of? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say we don't want the submersive experience of being on tech all the time to be a representation of life. It, it needs to be like a, a place that we go to do a task or have some entertainment. And then it fit, fits into the balance of in real life conversations um, in re, in real life um, long format experiences like going out tobogganing and the fact that you got to like walk with your toboggan all the way up the hill and you didn't have your phone with you so that you got to just like look at the clouds and look at nature. And <laughs> so I do think that we need to, to, to balance all of that out. But there's also a point to be said for um, 
and I'm, I'm stealing, I'm, I have to give proper citation, but like, you know, when I did my TEDx talk, TEDx kids talk in Brussels, one of the gentlemen that was a co-presenter was a guy that was all about gamification. And he said, you know, um, can't we just criticize the fact that, you know, the world is just going too darn slow. Like maybe we should speed up and, and maybe it is fine to say, look at, write it in three bullet points. Why are, why am I getting all this expedition? Just get to the, get to the main points. Um, you know, I, I know that I've had uh, boys, which we know from a gender point of view, tend to have a a language center that's a little less complex. So men tend to to, to want to get to the points of the matter. And boys will say, when I open my phone and I see that my mother has written me a paragraph in sentence form, I just don't read it. It's too much. Like, I'm not reading paragraphs. You know, send me a bullet point. Let me read it in an anime comic book with, with no words, just pictures. Um, you know, and so I think we have to also adapt to the fact that that it is legitimate to be able to say people want content delivered in different ways. And maybe we do need to make some accommodations. Um, and we can use tech to help us with tech too. You know, you can put on screensavers that say you've been online too long. You know, you need to go meditate now. And um you know, uh, things that are screen trackers that say, look, it's okay if you spend this long, this long on this educational app, but maybe something like TikTok that's a little more entertainment based and a little less educational. Maybe, you know, maybe we keep that one under 17 hours a day and use the problem solving, <laughs> the problem solving, more contributive type things like GarageBand where you're composing um, or even some of the gaming apps where you're doing problem solving and collaborating. I think those are better use of time than some of the other ones. Yeah, I, I definitely have seen where, you know, my my one of my kids is is really into Minecraft. And I, some there there are times when I kind of catch myself. I'm like, well, OK, he's been playing for an hour or a couple hours and that's a lot of time. But at the same time, it is a very creative and it's a good kind of environment where it's like, is it really gaming? there's all these other pluses. So there, there's those, sometimes you get caught up in, in these different apps and things and you wonder, well, is it okay? But it is okay, but it, no, nah, maybe you should take a break. Right. So that's, that's yeah. Well, to, to your point, um, and it's why we, we, you know, we can't, we have to take each of on as a case by case scenario and we have to watch about where our, our values line. You know, if you had a child who was a total um, bookworm, you would say, Oh, isn't it amazing? They've got their head in a book all the time. You know, or if they were like really love chess and you're like, I'm raising the next Bobby Fisher. This is great. All they want to do is play chess all the time or they're in the bedroom and they're all they want to do is like practice guitar and they're you know going to be the next rock and roll, you know, hero or whatever. But then when you see somebody online and they're gaming, we think, oh, what a waste of time. Well, it's not necessarily true. They could be an aficionado. They could they could go on to be a coder. They could be learning all kinds of strategies and things that translate into the real world. But just the same as I've seen kids escape into books so that they don't make in real life friendships or they don't spend time with the family, I think it's just as legit to say to somebody, put the book down, we're having family dinner, or put the book down, we're going to go for a family walk, as it is to say, hey, you know what, en- enough time on the game with your friends, come hang with your real friends that are like, on the block kicking a soccer ball around. Yeah, it's a very good point. Now, this is going to segue into another conversation that we're going to have. But as we were talking about this, it came to mind all about kind of the summer. And a lot of people or parents in general feel that, okay, during the school year, you know, kids can't, they can't avoid tech. They're, They're there not only because of 
in school stuff where they might have to to for for better or for worse do work on a computer um and then the summer comes and it's more okay it's good weather let's go outside let's play more and get off the tech how do you feel about you know that aspect of suddenly flicking a switch and and taking away the access in some cases for kids especially if there are kids that go away to overnight camps and a lot of these overnight camps have those strict rules of no electronics so is that a good mental health break in your mind um and and you know is that something that parents should be considering of hey the summer's here let's change the routine or is it something where families and kids who love routine you know what, just do, do your thing. Like, what's your, what's your opinion on that? Uh, so again, it's kind of complex. I don't want to give like one like set of operating rules, but like things that I would take into consideration. Uh, the first thing I would say is um, yay to overnight camp. If you can get your kid to overnight camp, fantastic. I think that's a really great experience and not all families can afford it, but I'm very pro camp if you can go. I've also worked with a lot of the camps and what they will tell you is that the problem is not the kids, it's the problem is the parents. The parents can't let their kids go away without keeping contact. So the parents are the ones that are hiding the um, the, the burner phone inside the teddy bear and they, and they send their kids to camp with two phones and they'll say, okay, the first one your counselor is going to confiscate, but they're not going to look for a second one. So when they take the first one, rip the seam of the teddy bear open and take out the second phone and then you call me and you tell me you're okay crazy they also have video monitors now and then the parents call the camp office and they go look i'm looking at the video monitor my my daughter's not wearing a sweater go tell her to put a sweater or she's not smiling is she happy did something happen like we have got to stop being a surveillance nation to our kids at camp the whole idea is that you go away to not have tech and not have your parents on your shoulder so if you're going to take away their tech you have to take away your, your adult tech too people you need to let your kids go so that's that's my point on that the second thing I would say is, yeah, you're going to have to fight with your kids in the beginning and how we approach this. I want to talk to you about as well, Lowell. It's how we go about making agreements about putting the tech down, in, in, including when we're sending them to camp, because you're not going to be happy in the beginning because it is a bit of a lifeline to some of their other groups of friends. And we know kids are socially embedded and a lot of the, the these uh, a lot of the activities they're doing online are about connection through tech to friends. They're gaming with other people. They're, they're sending their TikToks off to their friends. They're, they're, it is their kind of community, right? So until they sort of say goodbye to all those friends and kind of get embedded with the people in their cabin, um, that might be a little bit more of a, of a struggle. But what we find is that kids are really happy that they got off tech. They didn't know how stressed they were. And in fact, when this is sort of sad, because it came up during the pandemic, but you know, we had such a high uh, a level of mental health issues. And there was a lot more kids that were put into pediatric psych wards during the pandemic. And the first thing they'll do when they admit you is take away your phone. And a lot of those kids, it's the first time they've been tech free in years. And when I talk to those kids, when they leave and they go back home and they try to integrate and whatever, they'll say, I was so relaxed without my tech. That was like the best thing. Did they want to give it up? No. But did they suddenly have the realization how much stress it actually causes you when you're wondering, did they like my picture? Did they get back to me? Have I heard from them? What am I missing out? And a lot of kids actually said that the nice thing about the lockdown was there was no FOMO because there wasn't things to see online that people at parties are invited somewhere that they didn't get invited. There was, no one got excluded. Um, so, um, so I think 
that it is good to have those those downtimes. Um, but it's it, it, what I was saying about the methodology, Lol, is that I really believe, and this is what a lot of my parenting stuff comes around. We can't force compliance; we have to win cooperation. It's very different when you have a young child who is still getting used to tech, where you're still training them. So there is, so if you say no tech in the bedroom, um, you've got to dock your phones at night. You can only use the tech with the door open in your bedroom. Um, you can only have it from seven till eight because it's just a kid playing one game. It's not, it's not them doing banking and, you know, uploading their schoolwork or whatever. You know, so if you start off with those early agreements and that early training, you know, they tend to kind of go with the flow when you're when you're setting rules. It's a lot harder when it's been the wild west and suddenly you just randomly say, that's it, you've been on too long or that's it, I'm taking your phone away from a week or that's it, you didn't talk to me nice or that's it, you need more outdoor time. And we just drop these new rules from on high from nowhere. And then that's when kids really feel that we are um, not appreciating their perspective, their world, the importance to them, the respect for them needing to like at least let their friends know where they're going to be. I've had situations where they were in the middle of breakups and, and the parent confiscates the phone and the guy is saying, she's going to think I'm ghosting her. Mom, I need my phone back to tell her. You know, so it's it's how we do it. And if we do it in a respectful way about setting common goals, doing small experiments, then then we can win kids over. And if we keep that relationship strong between parents and teens, we have their ear. They're more likely to listen to us when we say, hey, you know what? They're really starting to notice that people need more time offline. Me too. Let's make it a family goal. What else could we do? So I think it's it's about the approach. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like a lot of those points that you gave. Um, now, along the lines of this, and we're talking about control, and uh, let, let's segue back in time a little bit, okay? A lot of parents, when they, their kids are growing up and they're exposing them to tech, obviously, we're going to set up these parental controls, whether it's, you know, locking down certain things on an iPad or an iPhone that, that they're given at a young age to, you know, when do they get an email address or, um, you know, purchasing apps and purchasing add-ons and, and controlling that. Like that's one thing I have with my kids is if they want to download a, an app to their iPhone or iPod, I have to get the request and I have to review it and look through it. And as they've grown up, that's worked fine. I'm at a stage now, my kids are, are, are 14 and, and 12. And now they're at that point when they're like, why do we still have this? Can't I just download whatever I want? So how do you, how do you, feel about, you know, is there too much control? And what advice would you give to parents who are in this sort of phase of starting those struggles of power and, and freedom with tech? Um, how do we navigate that? So I think it's an application of a general parenting principle, which is we want to prepare our kids for life, not protect them from life. So we have to spend a lot of time doing training and we want to gradually create a competent, responsible child who can navigate life independently. And the more you do things, more, the more you spend time training, educating, guiding, the more they're going to be responsible and have more independence sooner. So I don't like to, you know, it's, you can't put a hard age on some of these things. Um, you know, for I'll, I'll use a non-tech example. Um, I think kids should learn financial literacy. you got to teach kids a lot about saving and money and, you know, the value of things. I, 
I think my kids were more fiscally responsible with money because they had an allowance from the time they were five years old. By the time they were 14, my kids were good at money. You give a 14-year-old who's never had an allowance and you give them 50 bucks a month, you can bet they're gonna, that money's going to be gone or those kids get the student loans and it disappears. So it's not about age. It's about their skills and the experiences that you've given them. Tech is here to stay. We're never going to live in a tech-free world again. So it is our job as parents to teach all those great digital responsible pieces and, and the reasoning behind it. So we need to show them some of the dark side of the web so that they understand what we are, uh, that our job as a parent is also to know that we have to look at things through a different set of, of requirements, through a different set of lenses. Um, you know, I think they've done a really great job over at the Center for Humane Design with Tristan Harris, I don't know if you saw his um, movie documentary called um, uh, The Social Dilemma, but um, it's it's a wonderful movie, and they've since edited it to your point about things being too long <laughs> and attention spans. They've broken it down into little different nuggets with downloadable um, um, study guides for, with so you can watch it with your kids and ask these questions. And so it it, it kind of it kind of is showing kids, I'm not your enemy, I'm your ally. We're going to figure this out together. I want to give you as much freedom as I can. Um, but here's some of the, the, the parts of the responsibility I have to look out for. Um, and so showing them some of those, the ways that we get sucked into, again, with artificial intelligence or with phishing or um, with sextortion um, or any of these things that are kind of predatory. And uh, just the same way we teach kids street safety, we have to teach them online safety. And um, so what I found with my kids is if we just made these agreements that I want to give you more freedom and you need to show me that you're handling it well. So I'm just going to do occasional spot checks. And to do those spot checks then, Lowell, with your, with your 14-year-old, it doesn't mean you're looking every day. It doesn't mean you're not going to get on some text message and he's going to have jokingly used the F-bomb or something and then you're going to be like, oh, you're swearing on my... I mean, they swear in person. Yeah. You know, we have to give them... We have to let them be kids, um, you know, but if they are, uh, you know, making racial slurs or they're going to uh, websites that have, uh, you know, uh, porn sites or whatever, then I'm going to want to have a conversation about, you know, why am I, why am I concerned about what you're seeing? Yeah. Um, and then you have a whole conversation, not just, you know, you don't just say no, you say, you have to explain, here's here's why I have concerns about this uh, and about your sexual development and your mental development. Um, and so it's always got to be backed up with, with, I love you and I love you so much that this is why I'm saying no, but here... You know, I'm not doing it because I'm a meanie. I'm not doing it because I have power over you. I love you and I, I want to protect you from uh, uh, from what what the, the dark side of the web, for lack of a better word, and all of its different manifestations. I, I, what I'm hearing from you, the underlining um, theme is conversations, having those moments with your kids rather than just taking things away or setting the rules and that's it, but also having the conversation, um, which will make the whole process of of dealing with it a little bit easier is that what, what it's a lot of conversations a lot of a lot of you know again and short lot, a lot of little conversations to your point about attention span kids don't want to talk for three hours about technology but it might be an ongoing conversation that you have 15 minutes here and i read something there and i just you know saw a, an article you know something like that little pieces along the way and that you want to keep the a high expectation 
um, for your kids. Kids move in line with your expectations. So if you assume they're doing bad things online, if you assume they're going to bad sites, if you assume they can't manage, they're like, well, you already think I'm a dork about this anyway, so I might as well go ahead and do the bad stuff. Um, so so you want to keep a high high expectations. You want to have high faith. You want to trust them, trust them to also make mistakes and recover from those mistakes. So maybe they do go to a bad site. I don't have to lose my crap on them about that. The, the number one reason, Lil, what, what, what kids will say they didn't go to their parents when they got in trouble online, they were afraid their parent would s- s- take away their technology. How can we possibly help our kids if they get into these sticky situations that can happen yep. if they can't come to us? You know, we have to be there on the journey. So I think how we respond when we see things kind of get messed up, when we see them getting into like a bullying situation with the group, um, you know, when we see people, you know, asking for lift your shirt up, you know, if you really loved me, if you really trusted me, you'd send me that picture. I won't, you know, people think that's a sign of a relationship trust. And it's like, yeah, until someone caps it when you, you know, um, a lot of the, uh, I think our boys should know this. A lot of times what happens with sextortion with boys is the other person will play a video of a girl and the, and the video of the girl will be undressing. So she'll be inviting this boy to undress. And so he thinks he's undressing for a girl that he's been chatting to and have built trust. And then it's captured and then, then they have blackmail material, send me money. Um, with boys, it's send money. And, and then again, they don't want to go to their parents because they're embarrassed of what they did. So if we have these conversations up front, then you can say, hey, this is how they, this is how they get around your intellect. Like, you know, have you, has this happened to any of your friends? Are people talking about this? You don't have to do it as a direct attack, but we have to be constantly educating our kids um, because tech gets more sophisticated yeah. and um, uh, there's new ways to, to be devious with kids and get them into trouble. For sure. For sure. Those are some really great points. Glad you brought up some of that stuff about the capturing and, and uh, you know, the sticky moments kids can get into because it's like anything else. I mean, tech, if anything, it gives a whole different world of um, ways you can in, in get in trouble, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, I know. So another thing about the gaming thing, I think parents should hear, you know, I've had kids in my office having real panic attacks and worry and concern because in some of the games, different games have different gaming cultures. And because they want to fit in, we're socially embedded creatures and we want to belong. And so we start to adopt some of the cultural habits of the games. And a lot of these games are very aggressive and they use a lot of sexist and racist um, language. And then these good kids feel terrible that they're, they're like, but I have gay friends and I, I'm, I'm, my sister's wonderful. And why am I saying these misogynist uh, phobic things? They're doing it to fit in, but they feel terrible about themselves. And so, you know, I think we have to talk about some of, uh, some of these cultures and are you living, are you your best self? And would you be willing to speak up just like you would in, outside of in real life when someone says something? Thing not well. So I think we have to really train our kids to be good people offline so that when they live online, they, they move those character traits and those values with them. And, you know, if your kid suddenly starts changing the games they're playing, um, you know, that, that might be a very a good sign that they're navigating away from some of that, you know, toxic masculinity in some of these games. It happens in the girls, too. I'm not, you know, girls game less than boys, but they, they, they get their own version of trouble, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then I guess they see the other side of that as well, right? Where, where it could be almost a, a bullying tactic against them in, in some way. So. 
So, and again, I'm going to just go back with the girls and the values idea. Like I've seen games where they look, it doesn't look like a single shooter game, which some parents get really offended by, but it's all, you know, unicorns and, and the playhouses and this and that. But the next thing you know, everything is about bling and you got to buy this thing. And if you don't buy the next thing, and the whole thing is about beauty, consumerism, competition for looks and acquiring, what are they teaching? You know, and so, so you might, the single shooter game might be much more about strategic problem solving and, and getting along and sharing resources, even though it has this like terrible looking interface. And the other one that looks so sweet and innocent could be teaching way worse values. So you got to kind of spend time on these games, yeah. spend time on these games. Yeah. And understand them and, and learn the environment and experience it just like your kids are. Right. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a huge thing that I, I, I see with, you know, the parents don't know what the kids are doing and how they're interacting and what they're playing with. They really don't know whether it's good or bad. They really don't know, you know, what their kids might be doing or exposed to in those environments. So, um, and you know, a lot of kids are so proud of their skills online. And then when they ask their parents, would you come watch me play? And the parents are like, I don't want to watch you game, but would you ever say that if it was a kid's hockey game, would you say, I'm not coming to your hockey game. I hate hockey. I'm not going to your, your ballet recital. I hate ballet. Like they do want you to watch. I'm not saying you have to watch everything, but for some kids, this may be the place where this is the most competency they have in anywhere in their life. Oh, and I wanted to make sure I said this too. Sorry, if, if I'm jumping around okay. about the kids and the the kids and the responsibility and the maturity. We have to remember that 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 is a common like kids want to grow mature and they want you to see them as growing and maturing. So even if it's even if you have to keep some of the constraints in around tech, look for other opportunities to say, you know, can, can they have more say in like, can they pack their own lunch? Can they learn how to make dinner? Can they do their own laundry? Can you give them some um, money so that they have an allowance so that they, they can have some autonomy and agency and self-direction, which is age appropriate in a million other ways in their life. So, you know, like to me, I would hear the alarm bells of want independence, want independence. How else can I give it to you? Cause I'm not going to let you have free reign over, you know, what, over some of these tech things, but I can sure give you some more. I can give you a later bedtime. I can, uh, you know, whatever I can give you other ways to have agency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you touched on peer pressure earlier and I thought that's a good segue to, to the next conversation where it comes with kids having that social peer pressure of access to tech where, you know, some kids might, there's the debate over, you know, do do you give a kid a phone when you want the kid to have the phone when the kid wants to have the phone or is it and it's not necessarily an age thing like at this age your you know kid has to have a phone but there's also the peer pressure side where let's say you know your son or daughter's in in a in a class and 90% of the kids all have their devices but they don't, right? So there's that pure pressure side of things, or even with other gaming platforms, this person has this, this, and this, why don't we have it? So how do you think that not only affects the kids, but is it something where it's affecting, um, you know, their, their social side of uh, exposure to, to their, their crew, their, their own, you know, network in a sense? Yeah, I mean, going back to my childhood, I sure remember, you know, if people went to school and then everybody was talking about, like, whatever, some series that was on TV, 
and you were like, if you don't know the characters in the series and you aren't talking about what happened in yesterday's episode, if that was like the big thing that everyone was talking about, yeah, like you felt left out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember one single sitcom <laughs> from my ch- yeah, Nothing is coming to mind. Um, but I mean, I mean, I, you, I think adults would see that now. People are saying, oh my gosh, are you, are you watching, what is it, Succession? What's the big one now, right? There, people are, we're... Yeah, I mean, are you following this series, that series, or whatever? And then people go into these big conversations and talk about their favorite character or whatever. So, you know, in a sense, it's kind of a version like that, except for a lot of these interactive games. It's kind of like getting invited to the birthday party. Who's going to be on TikTok tonight? Who's going to be on Val- Valorant tonight? Like, there, you have to set up times. You've got to make teams. You got, like, it is a way of playing. It is a, it's a place they go, kind of like we used to go to the mall, Right. That's where the that's where the people are. So I I do see that there would be a um, uh, a pressure to want to have the same socializing experiences as everybody else, and to be able to keep up with you know where those social connections are happening. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that parents need to buy into that solely as I would be harming my child if I didn't get them this tech because they're coming to me complaining about this phenomena. Because what we've seen is is that that argument is driving some of these exposures lower and lower and lower. And it does tend to happen in pockets. Like it's a bit of a, it's a social phenomena. So for example, when cell phones first came out up in Canada here, very few kids had cell phones. That wasn't a big thing. But I was speaking a lot in Florida. And most of the kids in grade three had cell phones in Florida. Now, they also have, you know, latchkey kids, more gun, gun violence, more parents wanting this for super supervisory thing, but also kind of hits critical mass. And then you are in that situation where, where everybody has one. Am I doing the wrong thing if I don't? I also see it with dating. You'll go to whole pockets of high schools where nobody is dating yet. They're all still hanging out as groups. But then you go to another high school, exactly the same population age, but it's like the thing that you're supposed to get a girlfriend now and you're supposed to break off and pair bond and they start experimenting with dating. So it's it's very much a social phenomenon. And I think that sometimes we has we as parents need to re- recognize when something's just a little too crazy. Like I don't think you need to spend a thousand dollars on a prom dress and rent a limo. And but this has become the standard because now what? But everybody's renting a limo, so now it becomes the and now you got to get the two hundred dollar updo and you got to get the you know. So suddenly graduation has become a mini wedding. If we just use the argument that everybody else is doing it, at some point, society's gone mad. So somebody has to start saying, no, not yet. No, wait later. Or just because they said jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge? Like someone's got to put down their foot and say, this is too young, too early, too much. So I do think we need to exercise some of that as parents. Um, But I think how we get around that is to remember that for most kids, and this speaks to the growing up in autonomy and and being independent and wanting to to not be under the control of your parents, the only way you get what you want in life to beg for it for your parents, you are going to feel powerless and resentful. So I would like instead to, again, always... provide to my kids a sense that I am their ally. It sounds like you really want a cell phone. Let's work on getting you one. Here are the things that we need to to do to to get you a cell phone. And then, and you can download some of these cell phone contracts or whatever, but the point is, I'm going to say, you know, I'm concerned about this because 
if I spend this kind of money on a tech device and you haven't managed to bring your lunchbox or mittens home from school yet, I'm worried that this is going to get lost. So why don't we make one of the stepping stones that you show me that you can keep an eye on your possessions. And then when you've you've got that stepping stone, then we'll look at the next one. And I would keep adding things like that so that I'm not saying no flat out, but it might be that that goal is three years away. Um, and And I'm showing them the, the path and I'm being reasonable in my requests um, and uh, and I would certainly say you know yeah you can put it on your wish list for a birthday or Christmas but I also think for some of these big devices and these big I think kids need to be stakeholders in some of these purchases which is why I also think an allowance is a, is a good thing because I'll tell you it, this is not an uncommon phenomenon kids will get their phone and either they'll break it or drop it in the toilet or, you know, how many buckets of rice have we put phones into or cracked <laughs> cases or whatever. It's all hot. You know, they, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, so, you know, it, it, this is anecdotal, but if I was going to do an experiment and bring science to it, I would put them into the group where their parents replaced them, no questions asked, and the group where the parents said, I'm sorry, you have to cover the cost of that repair or expense. The kids who have to cover the costs they're more responsible. They look after their phone. They check their pockets before they sit on the toilet. Yeah. You know, they don't leave it hanging off their bathing suit so that it falls in the lake. They spend more time because they don't want to be out that money. I've also seen kids who purposely break their phone because they know that the, they want, they, they've asked their parents if they can get the iPhone 11 and the parents have said, no, your old one works. And they're like, well, I'll look after that. And then they break it and they go, well, it's broken. You're not going to go back to the old one. So caution parents. I don't mind. I don't mind helping. I don't mind helping, but I think your, your kids should be on, they should pay for, for repair. And these are all conversations to have up front. These are all part of like a good a good con- contractual, and I never wrote it out with my kids. Don't get I, my my kids would have thought that was very belittling if I wrote that down. Maybe other kids think it's fine, but we just had a conversation about it. But I knew in my mind what all the aspects were that needed to be agreed upon before I handed that over. That's great. I, I you know, at this conversation, we've hit on so many different topics, but they're very valuable lessons, and I really believe that. Um, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to hear one or two points that we've touched upon and go, that's really what I needed to hear. So I wanted to thank you very much for coming on today, um, for spending this uh, 45 minutes or so with us or 40 minutes. Um, and I would love maybe in the future for you to come back so we can we can chat some more. There's never, you know, we've never hit every single topic. That's for sure. Right. Um, so again, thank you so much. And I just wanted to leave it to you. If, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if somebody wants to learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Oh, thank you for that. Uh, so my website is alisonschafer.com. And on that website, besides having tons of blog posts and videos and things, it has all my links to my social handles. So you can follow me on, on social media. My events page says, you know, my upcoming webinars and online courses and things like that. So it's sort of like the clearinghouse for all my offerings and where to find me and all the other millions of, of places. And, um, and I would happily, happily um, come on again, because as you know, um, tech keeps changing. Parenting is never easy. <laughs> um, and so if, it, please, the, the other, I guess the other avenue that uh, might be helpful for parents, uh, I do have a Facebook team group. If you're in that group, you can just 
hop on board and, and get some support there. And I also have a podcast where I answer parenting questions and anyone can send me an email question and I will answer them anonymously. So I try to give as much sort of free help and support to parents uh, during this time because I know not everybody has the time or money to come in for full counseling, but we all learn when we share our struggles together. And I, I believe any one person's problem is usually somebody else's. So we're all helping everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that and for coming on today. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Great. Thank you. And that ends another episode of the Growing Up With Tech Show. Again, I'm your host, Lowell Brown. It was a pleasure having Allison Schaefer on today. This was an action-packed episode with lots of great content, and I hope it gave you another perspective of things to consider with your kids and their technology. Stay tuned. We have a couple more episodes coming up, of course, another couple great interviews. And once again, I like to always ask for your support and help. If you thought this podcast was great, if you've listened to other episodes and and you found value in them, please head over to Apple Podcasts and add a review for us, a five-star rating and review. It really will help us out and help us reach more people. Thank you again, and I will reach you in the next episode. Bye-bye.